The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Jason Hurley. And I'm Jeremy Hahn. We're the creators of The Beauty. And you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the cigarette in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's my pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 219, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday. Not a real number. August 12th. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baum, seen in the Twitter. And when I'm not angrily hosting this show with blood coming out of my eyes and blood coming out of my whatever, I'm writing the comic speculator for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not bragging about how much women and Mexicans love me, both true. It's I'm the true. manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. I wanted to say he has a magnetic personality in Spanish, but I don't speak enough Spanish to do that. This week, you're going to hear our reviews of Adam 3, number one. A lot of numbers, I know. And The Beauty, number one. After that, we'll review 10 of this week's new comics faster than pencilers can line up to replace the core illustrator that drew that ridiculous picture of Tom Brady this week during the ludicrous speed round. And then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. We'll be consoling an out-of-work moon boy along with some of our other cave buddies and talking about next week's comics. And finally, the comic pushers are back to make new junkies out of one unsuspecting comic nerd. But... Before we start celebrating the FF's return to Marvel proper, let's flip the fox execs the bird and scream, I f***ing told you so! And then, we can talk about this week's Big News! We got big news! I can, I, I can see New Mutant's shirt blow right <laughs> off his body from here. The highly anticipated reboot of the Fantastic Four from director Josh Trank hit theaters last weekend delivering the worst opening return for a comic book film since 2012's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> and in that one, he peed fire. The FF took in a meager 26 million, less than 26, actually 25.7 yeah. million and change and settled at a staggeringly low 9% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. As of this recording, it has gone down to 8%. Wow. People are still reviewing it and affecting the rating. To be fair, you and I have not seen this movie, I assume. We have not seen this movie. Okay, so we don't know if the Human Torch pees fire in it or not. He could. Yes, he might. That's true. That's <laughs> he true. might. <laughs> Fantastic Four lost the top spot at the box office to the fifth film in a 20-year-old action franchise, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible colon Rogue Nation. Fresh at 93%. It was amazing. <laughs> it heard. was such a good movie. I haven't seen it yet. Rumors of Trank's erratic onset behavior surfaced months before the film's release and the director himself on opening day <laughs> tweeted, then deleted claims that studio interference shifted the production away from his vision, intimating that the movie that was released was completely different than the one he signed on to make. Fox domestic distribution chief Chris Aronson told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, while we're disappointed, we remain committed to these characters. Come on, you guys. And we have a lot to look forward to in our Marvel Universe, end quote. Now, Matt, I tried not to be the kind of guy that revels in the misfortune of others, but the failure of this film makes me exceedingly happy do you think Fox is really going to keep this show going? If we look at their past track record, no. Fox is in the business of making money. 
and they don't care. They will pull the plug on stuff left and right. Firefly, perfect example. Now, they are still holding on to that one because they don't want to sell it yet for whatever reasons. I don't think we're going to see another Fantastic Four movie from Fox. I really don't. But I do think they will sit on this property and wait for the number from Marvel and Disney to come in that they want, that they feel it's worth because they're just that big of assholes. (laughs) And I realize that I went on record saying there's no way Sony will ever work with Marvel. And we're still yet to see what's going to happen with the Spider-Man, you know, Avengers thing. But I don't think there's a world. I don't think there's a universe where Fox makes that same decision. No, no, no. But Fox is talking about doing some sort of weird crossover with the X-Men franchise and the Fantastic Four, like well, creating their own little film universe. They own the X-Men. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they could, they could do it, but enjoy your universe of two properties. Right. But they're talking about doing, yeah, the Fantastic Four versus X-Men type thing, but who cares? Why would when you want to see it with these X, these that's Fantastic what I'm saying. Four? When this bombed so bad and nobody saw it, how are they going to market that? It's impossible. I mean, to be fair, from everything I've heard, the actors are the last people to, to take the blame for this. Yeah. They were, they're talented people given uh, doing the best with what they were given. Right. Except I heard the guy that played Dr. Doom was terrible. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> I heard he was just terrible. Sure, sure, sure. But I just, I can't imagine. But yeah, it, it, it does seem, you're right, like Fox, the guy comes out from Fox and says, you know, we'll get it right one of these days. We're yeah. really committed to these characters. Uh-huh. And then that just... It's a signal to Marvel. Write us a check. Write us a check. Write us a check. You yeah, know. exactly. It's hard to believe that the audience for Marvel products and comics is so large that it would keep like the average movie going public away from theaters. Right. But word of mouth has been against this film from day one. Yeah. I mean, Ant-Man literally kicked the shit out of this. Oh, movie. yeah. Like by triple. Yeah. Tripled it in the opening weekend. I just can't imagine. Well, two and a half. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Regardless, I can't do that math. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't quite triple, but right. still a lot. Like who who do you blame in this sort of situation? Because they're blaming him. I 100% believe that the studio came in and went, "Well, this isn't going to work," and changed a bunch of stuff. But did they do that because his version wasn't I don't know. I also do believe that Josh Trank is pretty hard to work with from and and, and that's coming from multiple sources not marvel just out of did Fox. the same thing to edgar wright that's and true. we ended up thanking him for edgar it. wright even came out and said hey i totally get it i'm i'm adult enough to understand what's going on here and that's fine josh trank not as sweet i think the, the i think that real answer is that there's enough blame to go around for both parties involved i totally agree because i think they're both guilty at some at some level i'm sure dave occasional guest host dave demarco went to the film and he said it had zero zero redeeming qualities yeah even even the one scene in the trailer the like the most exciting scene in the trailer where they drop the thing out yeah. of the plane not in there it's not in the movie it's they not, took it, it out of the movie that's one of the action scenes they took out yeah wow. and he said that there's a there's a, a very clear point where you can tell that something happened and now someone else is in charge of this movie wow i don't think that josh trank's vision would have been that much better maybe not but we'll never know. Not important. What is important? You might be getting the FF back at Marvel. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All I want. In other Hollywood news, NBC has ordered a new workplace comedy from DC Entertainment. The new show, called Powerless, will be an office-style sitcom that takes place at one of the worst insurance companies in America, set against the backdrop of the DC Universe. 
According to a report from Deadline, quote, the show is about the reality of working life for a normal powerless person in a world of superheroes and villains. Powerless will be produced by Ben Queen, screenwriter of Cars 2. Yeah. All right. And creator of the short-lived romantic comedy A to Z. Never heard of it. Didn't see it. The report indicated that some DC superheroes may appear on the show, but you should probably count marquee characters like Superman or The Flash out. Joe, DC's TV division seems to be throwing stuff to the wall to see what sticks. And how the hell did they get the rights to damage control? Yeah, right? I'm reading this story and I'm thinking to myself, this is... 100% damage control. D- come on, Marvel. Marvel's on. damage control. I would watch the hell out of that. Except they weren't insurance agents. They were like... Right. Well, they were like engineers and insurance people. They were people the repair fixed. people. Yeah. They they fixed the problems. Right. Still, it's essentially the same thing. Totally. But that's a great hook. I mean, it's I, a really fun idea. And this would be a fun place to get like booster gold and to get like, you know, like sure. B-list characters. Yeah, who do you put in it though? Like, like they'd have to be... Vixen shows up maybe. They'd have to be... Way, way farther down the list than I B. suppose. Yeah, Tasmanian Devil walks into the offices. Right. El Diablo <laughs> is like looking for a motorcycle insurance. Probably not El Diablo because he's in the Suicide Squad oh, that's movie. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, it's that sort of thing. It's it's just okay. You're telling me it's in the DC universe, but it's a DC universe where I know for a fact I'm never going to see Superman or Batman or Wonder right. Woman, right, or Green Lantern or the Flash. Peacemaker, maybe. Peacemaker. <laughs> Peacemaker, yeah, that would be, uh, yes, um, Bronze Tiger, who could probably show up. Oh, nope, he's oh. on Arrow. Yep, sorry, buddy. See, yep. all the good ones are taken. Yeah, even some of the crappy ones. <laughs> Agent Liberty. All right, look that guy up. Okay, all right. But I mean, I think it's a fun idea. It is weird that they're doing a sitcom. It's just odd. Yeah. But to their credit, they're just saying, hey, whatever genre, we're into it. Teen drama, sure. Horror. With Constantine, and action, it, adventure, sci-fi. Well, Constantine is gone, but if it's good, but they tried it, right? Right, and if it's good and it's funny, we'll watch it. Absolutely, All right. it's it's an odd move, but I am intrigued. And finally, my welcome back gift to Matt. Marvel Comics has just announced a new ongoing series starring everyone's favorite red-skinned T-Rex, Moon Girl, and Devil Dinosaur <laughs> launches in November. By writers Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair and newcomer artist Natasha Natasha Bustos. Bustos. Bustos? Yeah. Right. That's very respectful. <laughs> Meet Lunella Lafayette, preteen super genius who just wants to change the world and help those in need. Possessing latent inhuman DNA. That stuff's really getting around. Yeah, lots of inhuman stuff. Lunella is unsure of what her strange future might hold, but when she stumbles on ancient Cree technology, things are about to get a whole lot stranger. Opening a doorway to the prehistoric past, her life is flipped turned upside down as she comes face to face with a towering Jurassic giant known only as Devil Dinosaur! But he is not alone. So Moon Boy's there. Don't get excited. Out of the portal and into the Marvel Universe emerge the Killer Folk. An ancient tribe of beings who will stop at nothing to acquire the alien technology. Quote, something that's the hallmark of a Marvel hero is that they're gifted with a power they may see as a curse. Their hero's journey is to discover how to use it to help others, says series editor Mark Panizia. Lunella is a little genius with grand plans on going to big schools, but she's got an inhuman gene, unpredictable alien DNA inside that, once triggered, could take her life in a wildly different direction. Boy, can I relate. <laughs> She's determined to control that change. She's going to need to grow up really fast to survive in the new Marvel Universe. 
Luckily, she will have Devil Dinosaur at her side, end quote. In an Entertainment Weekly interview, co-writer Amy Reader described Lunella as a female Inspector Gadget. So she's an idiot. But competent. But competent. <laughs> saying, quote, the character lives in this world where people don't really get her, that her brain just works a little differently than all of the other kids her age really resonated with us. And that idea of feeling sort of isolated and on your own during that very early time of life we thought was really compelling and could really resonate with a lot of readers, end quote. Montclair went on to say, quote, you're going to have a 30-foot dinosaur interacting with a three-and-a-half-foot-tall girl. I can't think of any other comic book that's kind of like that. <coughs> Terrible lizard. <coughs> <laughs> now take heart, Matt. Moon Boy will appear in the new series, however briefly. Uh. So they aren't forgetting him completely. Does this sound like fun? And will your love of Devil Dinosaur outweigh your anger? At Moonboy's absence. I, it sounds like fun, and it's probably going to be pretty good. And as long as Moonboy is still around. Moonboy is in Devil Dinosaur canon. And I would love to see, like, okay, so Devil Dinosaur leaves, and Moonboy is like, goes insane. And is like, I will do anything to get my friend back. <laughs> I mean, it's time travel. It's a right. time travel thing. Right. I get it. So Devil Dinosaur steps out of the past with Moonboy into sure. the present with this new yes. Moon Girl. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. I like Amy Reader a lot. She's very talented. We've seen her before. Now, Rocket Girl yep. uh, is their current uh, their current thing at Image. It comes out very sporadically. Yeah, we both gave it very good ratings, though, when it did. Natasha Bustos, I don't know much about her. I know she worked on uh, Vertigo's Strange Sports Stories. Where is she from? Uh, Natasha is, and this is a quote from uh, the Entertainment Weekly article, she is half Afro-Brazilian- and half Chilean. I just looked her up, and she's gorgeous. <laughs> but she's but she lives in Spain. She is drop dead gorgeous. So she added that it's great to be a part of the creation of something uh, that can mean something special to many people, uh, because in her culture, there is no equivalent com comparable to the African American community in okay. the United States. Okay, and so she's had a lot of you know difficulty in that regard not difficulty per se but um it's been a, a challenging in a way that's not the way it is in our culture and so to be able to right contribute uh uh lunetta is um uh, i don't know they don't specify her exact race but she appears to be african-american uh and obviously moon girl instead of moon boy so it's adding a layer of diversity, another new layer of diversity to an existing Marvel property. All of the creators seem to be really on board with that idea. And in the case of the artist, she can relate to it on a special level. And so I feel like, you know, they're really, they've got their hearts in this one, you know? Okay. Okay. I know. I think it sounds great. And I'm excited for this. I, Devil Dinosaurs, I'll take it. I wish Moon Boy was there more. She Amy and maybe said, I'll fall in love with Lunella. Who knows? I'm in. Amy Reader did say that Moonboy would be around for a while. It looks like fun. Of course, I'm gonna. Of course, I'm giving willing to give Marvel the benefit of the doubt and more Devil Dinosaur for me. It's a great thing. Most of you are going. What in the f is this guy talking about? Read more Jack Kirby, you losers. And another book to put in the hands of a young girl is not a bad thing. Never, never, ever, absolutely. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything we missed, hit us up on the THN forums, where I'll be starting my Moonboy fan fiction following his story, Sans Dinosaur. 
and his violent journey into alcoholism. Every week, my favorite big red dinosaur, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums for you nerds to host your own personal, private, weird little tug of war over. Joe Patrick, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's question comes courtesy of former Goocher, Black Scorpion the Three. He's still a Goocher. It's like presidents after they're done, they're still presidents. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's still a Goocher. In honor of all the kids going back to school this Unless week. Unless we take away one of his Gooches. Oh, can we do that? <laughs> then he would be a former Goocher. There'd can be like we? an asterisk. If we go back, if we decide like, wait a minute, we got to look back and this, like he was doping. We can't let him have this, you know. Oh, man. There'd be an asterisk. In honor of all the kids going back to school this week, what is your favorite student slash mentor story in comics? I already know mine. I'm going to have to really think about I it. I got mine. This is awesome. You have until 5 p.m. Central Time this Friday, August 21st. To get us your answer, you can call and leave a message using Skype. The handle is 2 nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Of course, you can also send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you choose, you've got two minutes to get it done. You will get cut off. True I can't control him. I'm sorry. It's true. If you need more time than that, hit up the THN forums and write your full answer in the question of the week section. And then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the answer of the week podcast. It's the best. It's our favorite. The only reason we do this show is so that we can do the answer of the week. And Joe can post it on Friday morning instead of Thursday. Shut your, <laughs> shut your damn mouth. It's review time on THN where Joey and I take a long, hard look. At two of this week's new comics. And then pretend we could probably do them better. Joey, what'd you review this week? That made me uncomfortable. (laughs) This week, I'm reviewing The Beauty Number 1 from Image Comics, written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason Hurley, with art by Jeremy Hahn and colors by John Rausch. It's 32 pages for 350. Here's the solicit. The pilot season winner returns! Does anybody care about the pilot season crap anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody does. Modern society is obsessed with outward beauty. What if there was a way to guarantee you could become more and more beautiful every day? What if it was a sexually transmitted disease? What if you don't need that? <laughs> hey uh. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> in the world of the beauty, physical perfection is attainable. The vast majority of the population has taken advantage of it, but detectives Foster and Vaughn will soon discover it comes at a terrible price. Han and Hurley don't waste any time pushing the story ahead. The writers use caption boxes explaining the history of the beauty for the benefit of those that missed the pilot season issue, like myself. Me too. Even as the art propels things forward, culminating in the explosive moment that will drive the story from here on out. The issue moves at a pretty fast pace, introducing several supporting players and the classic police procedural twist The feds are here to take away their case. Ah, sons of bitches. The issue ends with a pretty great cliffhanger that made me want to see where things go from here. Honestly, the characters are all pretty by the numbers. Stepping right out of your favorite crime drama. That's not necessarily a bad thing, though, as Han and Hurley have created a really interesting hook that takes these familiar faces into unfamiliar territory. While the story was great, The star of the issue is the art by Jeremy Hahn and his colorist, John Rausch. Hahn's line work is gorgeously moody, and he constantly employs clever little angles that keep even the pages of Talking Heads from getting boring. 
Roush's subtle colors have an almost watercolor feel that really adds to the atmosphere and complements Han's thick shadows. Gave it a very real world look too. Yeah. Definitely. The beauty is a standard police procedural turned on its head by a really neat hook. If I did have one complaint, and I suppose this is an art complaint, I did not. I had a little bit of a tough time figuring out which characters had the beauty and which characters did not. I don't think I did. There were a few that were borderline where it's just like, you know, that dude is pretty handsome. See, no, I thought Han did a pretty good job of going out of his way to make some characters attractive and other characters like drop dead gorgeous. Sure. And you some know? were. But you could tell like main and I'm not giving anything away. Main cop guy doesn't have the disease, but he's a pretty good looking guy. His partner yeah. does have the disease. And well, is, and they come out and tell you that she is slamming hot, you know? Yeah. And I suppose if you look at it close enough, you'll see that he does have like forehead wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah. You and know? in reality, I mean like, you know, you see good looking people on the street and you're like, yeah, it's a good looking guy. And then every once in a while someone walks by and you go, holy shit. Was that Tom Cruise? <laughs> like, hey, you know, like, that guy's gorgeous. This story is tailor-made for TV. So you can expect that announcement any day now, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm really interested to see where the mystery goes. I'm giving this a buy it. I'm with you. I think this was a good police procedural. Not great. Good. With a kick-ass hook. Yeah, the concept is what really sells Just it. Just a kick-ass hook. And written very believable. Nothing that like blew me away. I will say Han's art has really, he, he's doing something very different here than I've seen from him before. And I really enjoy it. He's not kind of going for that top cow darkness sort of look that I'm used to from him. I feel like he's really gotten away from that and become a lot more talented as a penciler. And I really like the way this book looks. I love the hook. I want to read more. And yeah, it would not surprise me if this is on FX next season. Giving this a buy it. Yeah, it's great. Matt, what did you pick this week? I picked Adam three, number one from dark horse written and drawn by Scott Collins. But you realize both these teams said, screw you writers. We're going to do this ourselves. Mm -hmm. 32 pages for three 99. Here's your solicit award-winning writer slash artist, Scott Collins passed away. The flash, the Avengers premieres his first original comic book creation. I believe it's pronounced Pastaways. <laughs> Pastaways, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> a man born into a futuristic island utopia fights to save his troubled family as terrifying visions of a monstrous doom foretell the end to his Eden. Can Adam and his family survive S E E D S question mark? I don't know. I don't know either. The comic begins with an open letter from Collins to his heroes, Barry Windsor Smith, Jack Kirby, John Byrne, Mike Mignola, and Frank Miller, wherein he talks about the aforementioned creating comics on their ability alone, which I totally agree with. This is the first creator owned property Collins has tackled. And you can tell from page one, he poured every bit of his talent and heart into the project. The art in this book is laid out in a horizontal format that really allows Collins to explore the space and create some breathtaking panels. The third page the third page sets the scene with Adam three standing on a tree branch overlooking the jungle valley below with a storm in the distance. This is truly some of the best art I've seen from Collins who drew some of my favorite flash issues during Jeff Johns five year run from 2000 to 2005. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough about the layout, the colors and the overall look of this comic. It is really career defining work for Collins. Then 
there's the story. <laughs> I'd love to give you an in-depth review of the story, but the plot got so bogged down in this bizarre future-speak, coded number computer language, and strange riddles spoken by talking animals that it lost me altogether. Adam 3 seems to live in some type of Garden of Eden inhabited by talking animals and robotic orbs that are monitored by satellites. On the first page, we're shown the island he lives on from space and it appears to be the only land visible on the planet. Adam 3 lives in a space-age treehouse with his pregnant wife, whose name might be 037. He also has a son named Bayo, who appears to be black and isn't crazy about having another sibling. Well, I mean, he's black. I guess. <laughs> but his mom is not, so I'm not... No, she say, he says in the book that she's not his mom. Okay. There's also a bear. Oh, that's right. He does. He freaks out. She says, that. you're not my mom. There's also a bear that's mad at some type of donkey creature, both of which talk in riddles, and apparently the bear has already killed the donkey thing's twin. <laughs> From there, Adam breaks up the fight and escorts the donkey back to his futuristic treehouse, where he has a violent exchange with his son, Bayo, that includes this dialogue as Adam tries to settle the argument. Quote, Water down! You've barely been here a quarter moon! What have I cracked? <laughs> I found myself completely lost in Colin's bizarre dialogue and storytelling structure. The robot orbs seemed to be narrating the story when they weren't speaking in numbers. And even that narration was cut off in one panel only to be continued sometimes a page and a half later. I can't say enough about Colin's amazing art here, but the story was just poorly executed. I don't know how else to say it. I have no idea what the guy was going for here, and I have to give this a skim it. I'm giving it a skim it on art merits alone. Disagree. Okay. I disagree. I read it last night. All right. I do agree about the future slang. Oh, my God. I don't like it. I oh, hate it. I hate it. I hate it. it I hate it. I hate awful. it. I mean, to be perfectly fair, it's no different than reading, say, a Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur story where Moon Boy speaks in broken English. He speaks in broken English, but he's not making up words. He's Collins, in his open letter, says he wants to thank his family for helping him on this and heart to every one of them. And it's like, dude, yeah, you just yeah, put yeah. your future slang in your letter. <laughs> I don't I don't like the weird the weird slang. It was I, so wizard. It is a little it's it's a little wizard. <laughs> It is pretty distracting. <laughs> it's a little wizard. <laughs> I did not have any trouble following the story. None. None whatsoever. I, I'm not saying I had trouble following the story. I'm saying I got so distracted. This is Omac plus Commandy plus Thundar. Yes. Plus Anthro plus Thundar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, he says as much in the opening, in the opening letter, like you said. And so when it's a weird future world, that's also sort of a throwback primitive world. But then there's satellites like, yeah, of course there are. It's it's Thunder of the Barbarian, which of takes course. place a thousand years in the future. I, I'm, I just roll with that because I know what to expect from that trope. And I'm giving it a, a skim it as well because I did have problems with it. But as far as the story goes, I didn't have any problems following the story. I know what's going on. I know that for some reason. The son is mad mm -hmm. that the he gives his dad a it's it's um it's Adam's birthday right, and he gives him a gift and it's shackles it's broken shackles. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't see what was going on through all the symbolism. Hey, yeah, <laughs> you know I get it, I get it. He, it's father against son. The son is mad and the father doesn't know why. 
and the family's going to pay the price. Talking animals, bears, donkey things. I'm in. I'm, I'm ready. I do have to give it a skim it because it... <laughs> knock it off with that yeah. future crap. It, it was enough that I can't come back. Honestly. Oh, I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm into it. So that is a double buy it for the beauty number one and a double skim it for Adam three. I just feel one. a little bit better about it than you. As always, we want to know what you Tarzan homages and gorgeously diseased nerds thought of these comics. So infect us with your opinions over at the DHN forums by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. For those of you who don't pay attention to the NFL's court activities, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was sparring with the best-looking QB1 in pro football, Tom Brady, in court over Tom's alleged deflating of footballs prior to January's AFC Championship game. Why did you have me read this intro? Because you love this stuff. As it turns out, the U.S. District Court of New York doesn't allow cameras. So one unlucky and questionably untalented sketch artist's work was featured in news outlets everywhere where their truly surreal portraits of Brady were met with frowns all around. You should see these pictures. It is ludicrous. <laughs> well, that's fitting. He looks like Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> so join us now as Matt and I choose from the myriad of comic artists that have worked on movie and TV properties photo referencing your favorite stars to pick a court illustrator that can do the damn job well, we review 10 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Sanitarium, number one from Guardian Knight. This is a comic based off a 2013 direct-to-DVD movie of the same name starring Malcolm McDowell and everybody's favorite, Lou Diamond Phillips. What, LDP? That's right, buddy. Just like the movie, this comic tells the story of how one kid ended up in the sanitarium after a strange homeless man kills his alcoholic dad and teacher. Or was it all in his head and did he do it? We may never know. Or care, for that matter. I'm not sure if Sanitarium has a cult following that was clamoring for more fairly predictable horror stories with amateurish art, or they're just hoping to sell a couple more DVDs. We may never know. Regardless, leave it. King, number one from Jet City Comic. Fallout plus Conan plus that old ABC show Dinosaurs. What? <laughs> you know, the one with the robot dinosaurs. Okay. And I don't know, Bruce Lee. <laughs> That's King in a nutshell, sort of. All right. I've got a real kick out of this new series by Joshua Hill, Fielkov, and Bernard Chang. I can't not explain it to you. I can't. There's nothing else you can say about this? It's about a guy who lives in a world that's sort of like Fallout and sort of like Conan okay, and sort okay. of like dinosaurs. <laughs> and he goes to work where he like fights dudes for money. I don't fing know. <laughs> I really liked it though, and the art is great. I'm giving it a buy it. All right. It's weird, is what I'm saying. Gotcha. King Tiger, number one from Dark Horse. If you've followed King Tiger's adventures from his first appearance back in the pages of the 1995 Ghost series, and then you paid attention to last year's four part Blackout series, you should have no problems following this story. If, like me, you didn't, then be prepared to be catapulted aimlessly into King Tiger's <laughs> world of kung fu sorcery without any idea of what's going on. Artist Doug Wheatley is amazing here. He really, really is talented. But Dark Horse editor Randy Stradley, who's writing this mess, seems to think we all paid attention to Blackout and doesn't even give readers a foreword to bring them up to speed. Once again... 
Dark Horse seems completely uninterested in building any kind of superhero U and leaves me scratching my head. I'm giving this a leave it. I'm sorry, Doug. You killed it on art, man. You were great. Yikes. The Pitiful Human Lizard, number two from Chapter House. Jeremy Liu's hapless Canadian superhero is back, now under the Chapter House publishing banner, home of the new Captain Canuck, which we reviewed on the show. Totally awesome, by the way. I really love this quirky little series, and this was a fun issue featuring the human lizard trying to find a little love while keeping the streets of Toronto clean from former mayor Rob Ford. Oh, boy. Allegedly. (laughs) This was an advanced copy, but you can find it in this month's previews catalog right now. I'm giving it a buy it. Boy, one. Number one from IDW. Again with the numbers. This had all the hallmarks of a top cow sci-fi comic, including overdrawn, over-inked, and over-colored panels on every page. The dialogue gets pretty cute in a few instances, but I like the overall sci-fi conspiracy that's building here. There's themes of gene manipulation and eugenics that seem to be playing out, and while the first issue wasn't what I would call satisfying, I can't say I didn't find myself curious to read more, giving it a strong skimmit. DC Comics Bombshells, number one from DC, because I demanded it. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Marguerite Bennett and Sauvage do a great job bringing an actual backstory to the pinup art concept. I'm not the target audience for this. I like the aesthetic. Like, I appreciate the art style of bombshell art, of good girl uh, uh, bomber art. Sure. I don't care about the DC Comics Bombshells. I I just don't. I don't either. I'm holding out for the DC Comics Shoju. Based on the <laughs> Kotobuyuka sexy yeah, right, anime yeah, statues. Yes. Uh, but I did think this was well done. It's uh, it's digital first, which means the print edition is three chapters, and Sauvage's art is beautiful. She is very talented. I'm giving it a skim it. There's a story there. Yeah, I, I think, just don't know if I care to keep going. I think Bennett did everything she could have done with this. America Town, number one from Boom. Oz screenwriter Bradford Winters and Phone Booth screenwriter Larry Cohen. Phone Booth, the movie... Where I think I liked phone booth. Phone booth was actually pretty good. It took place in real time. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell was stuck in the phone booth, and uh, I think it was Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland was going to shoot him. Tell the story of a near future where the American dream has died. That was a spoiler. Sorry, and phone y- booth spoiler. <laughs> and U.S. citizens are trying to smuggle themselves into South America. Artist Daniel, ooh, here we go, Irizari, and colorist Matt Pataglia are the real stars here giving it the desperate, action-packed feel it needed to make it feel real-world and very dark. There was a lot of characters to follow, and the story didn't wait for the reader to catch up, but there's real promise here, and I'm giving this a buy it. Dark Corridor, number one, from Image. This was a great little Hollywood noir story from writer-artist Rich Tommaso. Dark Corridor is set in the fictional coastal city of Red Circle, a city totally controlled by mobsters who, after decades of wielding power, are silently being picked off one by one by unidentified female assassins. Bitches be crazy, man. It's very Tarantino. (laughs) We don't get into that too much quite yet, but I really enjoyed the setup and what I've read so far. The art is super weird and awesome. I'm giving it a buy it. String Divers, number one from IDW. I can't wait to hear this review. One thing you can be certain of these days, when Robots vs. Zombies illustrator Ashley Wood comes up with an idea for a comic, you can bet your sweet ass it's going to be weird. Here, we meet a team of cyborgs, a la Metal Men, sent to explore the strings that connect reality on its smallest level. Literally, they dive down the strings of physical reality to explore matter at its smallest. Chris Rael and Nelson Daniel do a solid job keeping the theoretical science jargon readable. 
and creating a great story featuring cyborgs and their human controllers. This was weird, it was cool, and it was a great read. Give it some bias. I hated it. Did you? I hated it. Oh, I thought it was pretty it cool. It was like Ashley Wood. I felt like he was a hip-hop metal man. Ashley Wood <laughs> was sitting at home, and he said, you know what would be awesome? If we took the actual faceless, characterless Micronauts from the 70s. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Put them in tracksuits. Yes. And made them the stars of their own comic book minus all of the actual character. Oh, I kind of liked it. I hated it. I thought it was kind of fun. John uh, Flood, number one from Boom! John Flood is a quirky detective who never sleeps and thus sees the world through a weird dreamlike haze which allows him to see the hidden connections between events that others might miss. This is right in that same broken detective vein as stuff like Monk and Desolation Jones, uh, minus the <laughs> comedy of Monk, obviously. Okay. Uh, I thought it was pretty fun, and I enjoyed the art by Jorge Coelho. I'm like giving it a buy lot. it. A lot. He's really good. I thought this was better than the last Justin Jordan solo project from Boom, Deep State. That okay. one I couldn't really hang with. Yeah. But I enjoyed this a lot. Okay. Muirwood, The Lost Abbey, number one from Jet City. Amazon continues adapting novels to comics with their Jet City imprint. Here, writer Matthew Sturgis is writing a new chapter of Jeff Wheeler's Muirwood Chronicles, which are set in a fantasy world where magic is illegal if you're a woman. Princess Maya has been banished by her father, King Comoros, who is now so desperate for help, he calls on his magic-wielding daughter. There was so much dialogue and exposition here that it read like a novel trying to push a comic book out of the way. <laughs> I slogged through it and do not plan on coming back for more. Maybe this is too high fantasy for me, but I found it boring as hell. I'm giving this a leave it. Bad mood this week. Crack! That is your ludicrous speed round and crack! Is the sound made by a mystic creepy homeless guy punching through drunk dad's head. As seen in the pages of Sanitarium number one. Now punch through our skulls with your opinions of these comics over at the THN forum. Literally, punch through our skulls with them. Ever since vampires and zombies started getting all the good Hollywood work, we've been hosting a support group for out-of-work cavemen here in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. This week, we're happy to welcome Moon Boy to the circle. Now that Marvel's announced, he'll be replaced by Moon Girl. Feel free to pull up a chair, buddy, in between Chaka from the Land of the Lost and Anthro the First Boy. Joe, before Moon Boy works through his feelings of abandonment and jealousy toward his ex, Devil Dinosaur, what do you say we start today's meeting with some light talk of next week's comic? My pick for next week is Chaka, welcome- no Waka Taka. Me Chaka, no Waka. <sighs> Hi, Chaka. <laughs> <laughs> My pick for next week is Welcome Back, number one from Boom Studios, written by Christopher Sabella with art by Jonathan Brandon Sawyer. It's 32 pages for $3.99. He has three names, so he's probably an assassin. Yes. Here's your solicit. Mally and Tessa have lived hundreds of different lives throughout time, caught up in an eternal cycle as they take part in a war so old that neither side remembers what they're fighting for anymore. As Mally wakes up in her newest life, she suddenly becomes self-aware and starts to question everything, especially why she continues to fight. But elsewhere, Tessa is already on the hunt. We talked about this one a little while ago. Not long ago at all. Yeah, yeah. It sounds awesome. And Sabella has been really exciting. He's been putting out really good stuff. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one, and it's been on my radar for a little while now. Love this uh, art style by Jonathan Brandon Sawyer. Absolutely eager to check it out. Yeah. 
Map on what book did you pick that's going to put us all on the government watch list this week? I'm already there. According to Twitter, the FBI is watching me right now. <laughs> Young Terrorists, number one, is my pick from Black Mass Comics, written by Matt Pizzolo, with art by Amanke Nahulpan. Yes, that's got to be it. Solicit, what if the smoking man from the X-Files were a real person and his daughter found out what he did for a living? The daughter of an assassinated globalist kingpin breaks out of an internment camp and leads her fellow escaped prisoners in a battle against an elitist conspiracy of shadow governments, mega banks, and military juntas in this edgy and subversive sci-fi thriller. Incendiary writer Matt Pozzolo and striking newcomer Amenke Nahul. Pan. A Unle- man can well pan. No well pan? Unleashes tour de force that fearlessly assaults politics as usual. Young terrorist continues the legacy of DMZ and the Invisibles as it manically rips the scab off life under the new world order Gross! and reveals the pus underneath. Ew! Come on, man. With a solicit like that, how do you say no? This sounds great. Everybody working at Black Mask Comics is going to end up in Gitmo. Ah, That's a fact. Oh, they're all in punk rock bands and stuff anyway. (laughs) They probably belong there. (laughs) The THN trade of the week goes to the If You Steal hardcover graphic novel from Fantagraphics written and illustrated by Jason. Just Jason. He's like Sting. Yeah. It's 208 pages for $29.99. Here's your solicit. He's like wrestler sting, not like uh, police sting. No, He's no. like a douchebag now. But still kind of into that whole tantric thing. Oh, ooh, ooh. I didn't know that. All right. He's, okay. your, he's your pan. All right. Jason's latest collection consists of 11 wildly off-kilter stories that mix elements of pop culture and a variety of genres, pastiches, and mashups in a delightful melange of graphic storytelling. You got pastiche and melange in the same sentence. You guys are overachieving. Compensating for something over there at Fanagraphics. Featuring Frida Kahlo as a hired killer. What? Santo, the Mexican wrestler. Chet Baker, the JFK assassination. Renee Magritte, Nostradamus, and Van Morrison's Moondance album as a horror comic. All told with Jason's beguilingly deadpan style wow. there's another one for you beguilingly man i'm so in on this <laughs> this sounds crazy of or pertaining to things that are beguiling <laughs> beguilingly of or pertaining to things that beguile yes that beguile <laughs> yes. <laughs> so i really like jason i do too it's been a long time since i've read anything he's done but i was a fan of his back when when oh, he yeah. first came onto the scene oh yeah it's all kind of like if I recall correctly, isn't it all silent? Well, his old stuff was. There's no way this can be. He's gonna he's gonna write this. We'll see. I guess there's no way. <laughs> but also, everybody's like a dog. Well, that was uh, that was yeah a different series he was doing. We'll see. Okay, we will see. All right. I want to see Dog Santo, the Mexican wrestler. <laughs> Our new friend Moonboy is finally ready to share some of his feelings. So let's all agree, no judgment here. This is a safe place for hurting child star cavemen. If you're excited for some of next week's comics and still want to talk about those, please do. But let us know over the THN forum. Right now, we have some personal work to do. Yeah, this is neither the time nor the place. No. Let the healing begin. Oh my God. Look at Mr. Miracle's dead. She's so big. She looks like one of those JLA guys' girlfriends. But you know... Who understands those superheroes? They only talk to her because she's built like a female linebacker. I mean, her muscles are just so big. And that mega rod 
What do you think she uses that for? I mean, gross. Look, she's just so apocalyptic. Like big butter and I cannot lie. Other new guys need not apply. When Scotty walks in with an Amazon babe with a fist wrapped around that mace, you get sprung. Wanna pull up though, cause you notice your mega rod's buff. Deep in the armor she's wearing, I'm hooked and I can't stop staring. Oh, Barda, I wanna get with ya. Not look at your picture. Forever peeps try to warn me, but the mother box you got makes me so pingy. Ooh, Apocalyptin, I wanna ride that arrow disc. So boom me, boom me, cause I love new god technology. She's good at fighting and parademon smiting. She's big and strong enough to take Wonder Woman on. I'm tired of comic fans saying she's big as a man. Take a DC nerd and tell them that you end up on your back. So, new gods. Yeah. New gods. Yeah. Are your girlfriends tougher than your boys? Uh, I think so. So, shake it. Shake it. Shake those new god toys. Barter got back. You didn't yell shake it either. <laughs> I didn't. I'll plug him in. <laughs> when Joe is rhyming about comics over stolen beats, it can only mean the comic pushers are back. In full effect, y'all. That this was week, in full effect. Our very own consigliari and legal mouthpiece, Ryan Forrest, writes us via email. Dearest comic pushers, I'm going to come right out and say it. I hate the new DH Green Arrow. And the TV show is, at best, not for me. And, at worst, plain old terrible. I don't hate Oliver Queen. In fact, I would love some recommendations for some of your favorite old school Green Arrow stories. Sincerely, your lawyer. P.S. Matt, it looks like that indecency thing in Cleveland might have some teeth. So, let's stay out of Ohio for a while. Joe, you didn't need to read that part on the show, you know. Uh, you know, it just it was right there. It was printed. You know how I am with a teleprompter. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's each do two of our favorite old school Ollie <sighs> Queen stories. Man, this is going to be hard for me because I didn't really read Green Arrow until he came back from the dead. Okay. Well, I mean, those that would still count as old school Ollie. I guess. It's not new school de-aged Ollie, so I'm saying that counts. It's true. I mean, I did read Longbow Hunters, which is probably Mike the Rell most stuff. iconic yeah. take and on Green Arrow. While the Longbow Hunters is really good and iconic, it's not what fleshed out the Oliver Queen that I fell in love with. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's, it's a It's a great Green Arrow story. Don't get me wrong. Sure. So I guess my introduction, my proper introduction to, to Green Arrow, aside from the odd appearance in Justice League or whatever, would have been Kevin Smith's relaunch. Really? Uh, Quiver. You, you hadn't jumped on until then. I mean, obviously I knew who Green Arrow was and I'd read him in, in other stories. Right. But I'd never read any Green Arrow solo stuff until way later. So that's kind of a blind spot in my reading. Uh, I, like I said, I read Longbow Hunters. Um, but for me, my introduction to Green Arrow as a concept, again, aside from the, the odd appearance was really Connor Hawk. Okay. And so if I had to pick a favorite Green Arrow story, it would be, uh, JLA, Grant Morrison's JLA, I think number eight and nine, where Connor Hawk gets inducted into the Justice League, but they have been brainwashed by the key and trapped in a virtual reality environment. Okay. And he's trapped on the watchtower with no arrows, and he's got to fight off the key and his robots using oh. only the trophy air, the trick arrows that he found in the JLA trophy room. It was so good. It was That's, so good. It's an amazing story. Yeah, it really was. But other than that, 
you know, uh, quiver where he came back from, where Ollie came back from the dead is my real first foray into solo green arrow. But quiver is weird and it spends half of its run kind of reestablishing Ollie as a, as yeah. a person. Yeah. So I think the next arc, not the next arc, but the first Brad Meltzer arc, the archer's quest. Yeah. Where he is going back and kind of dealing with Wonderful. the things that happened in the, in the wake of, uh, his own will. And he kind of goes on this quest to reclaim the things that he gave away or the things that he lost when he died and his will was executed. Uh, it's a great story. Great art by Phil Hester. And it's got lots of guest stars. He fights Solomon Grundy in the Batcave. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, really excellent story. I'm going to go with what happened right after that when Judd Winnick took over Green Arrow. I mean, I read that whole run. I just don't really remember what happened right <laughs> when Judd Winnick took over. Such great stuff because they were rebuilding Ollie as a character, basically. And in doing so, he realized that he couldn't do he could not fulfill his mission on his own and it was irresponsible of him to try and fulfill his mission on his own judd winnick came on the 2001 green arrow series if you will where they like brought him back and stuff with issue 26 with the story called straight shooter phil hester was still on it later on scott mcdaniel will jump on the series but judd winnick built this family around green arrow where he brought speedy back in we got to meet this female speedy character a new, was, a new speedy yeah yeah roy harper was brought very close back in and roy and ollie did not get along very well and ollie wanted to reconnect with him and be like look i kind of lost you and i apologize for that i got caught up in all this other bull and judd winnick really breathed this family life back into oliver queen that hadn't been in that character's story for a very very long time they also had him try to reconnect with connor who was sort of pushed, you know, into nothingness because Ollie was back. Right. And we, but you and I both love Connor. Yes. We both do. Yes, totally. And there were so many great stories told with Connor. My second one that I'm going to pick is a Connor story. It is the Brotherhood of the Fist. It's a crossover with Batman where a whole bunch of martial artists come to Gotham, basically, to find who is the best martial artist in the world. And the whole time... Batman thinks they're coming after him. Uh, Lady Shiva is there. The, there's this guy called the Paper Monkey that's there that's even like a bigger badass than Lady Shiva and everything. And Batman thinks it's him the whole time. And they're like, no, we're not coming for you. We're coming for Connor Hawk, son of Green Arrow. <laughs> it was so good. Such a great storyline. I have a I have a way better answer okay. other than my forgetful nonsense. Well, you got you have a second answer. So I totally forgot about Green Arrow Year One by Andy Diggle. Mm. and jock that was a wonderful it's story. awesome wonderful and it goes into detail about uh, ollie's time on the island and how it wasn't really abandoned he had to fight off some um some like international drug runners right. and, and things like that and he killed people and chose not to talk about it he was like he had, he had to do what he had to do to survive and when he came back he was like well i was in an abandoned island and i i perfected my archery there <laughs> like, right. what he doesn't talk about is he was killing drug runners <laughs> but yeah I, green arrow year one is must read it for really, somebody that wants to really is to get connected to the character i will say like you i came through ollie retroactively the first time that i read green arrow i was reading chuck dixon's connor hawk the son 
of Ollie. And this was after Ollie was killed in uh, Green Arrow 101, where he died on a plane that had a bomb on it that was going to detonate and destroy Metropolis. And he stopped Superman, who was like powerless at the moment from helping him, like pushed him out of the plane. Well, yeah, because Superman was going to have to burn his arm off with heat vision to get him out of the bomb. Yeah. And he was just like, no, I'll handle this (laughs) and shove Superman out of the plane. He gets falls further away. I think there was a kryptonite involved too because he was powerless at the time, wasn't he? No, he wasn't powerless. He was gonna have to cut off Ollie's arm. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Ollie's like makes him promise not to do it. He's like, yeah. don't do it. Don't oh, do this right. to me. That's right. Yeah. And it which was a great story, but Connor Hawk was such a fantastic green arrow. I highly suggest a lot of stuff's not collected, so you'd have to go buy some back issues. But I highly suggest Chuck Dixon's Green Arrow run. It was wonderful. And I wish more than anything. That if they were going to do this thing that they're doing now with a de-aged, you know, Green Arrow, do it with Connor. I don't care. I, I don't even care. Like, do it with a younger guy, and Green Arrow is his dad, and he's older, and he's whatever, and he's around. You know, like, Ollie's the older dude. Mm-hmm. They really got away from it, and it's too bad. He's one of my favorite characters. I do not care for Arrow. I'm just like you. Although it was funny on Monday Night Raw this week when Stardust came out and shoved him around. <laughs> yeah, they're going to fight at SummerSlam. They're going to fight at SummerSlam. It's going to be stupid. I was trying to make that into a news story, but I just didn't have it's the, gonna the context. It's going to be so stupid. <laughs> but there's a few old school Green Arrow stories for you, Ryan. I mean, if anything, I want to thank Ryan because it really does kind of illustrate my own lack of history with the character. Right. Even though I read green arrow for many years after kevin smith's run absolutely my my connection to the pre-death oliver queen is almost nil and so there's a lot to to go back and check out yeah absolutely grant morrison's uh jla for one rock of ages that story oh yeah holy i hell. mean that's not a green arrow story it's but it's got some story. great green arrow it's moments got some fantastic green arrow moments but that green arrow is connor hawk in the future is it yeah oh, i thought it was ollie with one arm no, it's Connor Hawk because it's uh, it's oh, 15 years right. in the future after right. Darkseid conquers the Earth. Spoilers. Thanks for playing along, Ryan, and I hope we helped you at least a little. Do us a favor and let us know how the comic pushers did over in the THN forums, and if you are on the lookout for a new or old comic read, you can post in the comic pushers section of the aforementioned forums or send us an email with the subject line, comic pushers. It's real easy. Yeah. Be sure to give us an idea of what you're looking for and some info on uh, the sort of stuff that you like. Yeah. What kind of movies you like, what kind sure. of TV shows you like. What do you like to read? You know what would be really great? Huh. If you recorded an MP3 and sent in an audio comic pushers request. That would be cool. That would be cool. That's less work know for you're us. a real person. Oh, yeah. That's totally, yep. Yeah, that's, that's why. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Sir Mix-a-Lot's birthday episode of THN. Did I mention it was Sir Mix-a-Lot's birthday this week? That's why we did it for him. If you appreciate butts of all sizes like we do, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We don't discriminate. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to our latest donor, John Barton, and to our newest sustaining donor, Jamie Hancock. Jamie! And if you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at 2 And if you want to become a sustaining member just like Jamie, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box and as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, 
Tumblr, where we post all the outtakes for the show, and our Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Sometimes the outtakes are just you yelling at your dogs. And sometimes they are. And don't forget to go sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can ask us to review your self-published comics. You can learn more about our segments and how you can become a part of them. Or just rap about comics, sucker. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. I'm officially not switching to Apple Music because it sucks. I didn't even turn mine on. It sucks. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the official THN historian, Jason Sachs, and his lovely wife, Lisa, who celebrated, get this, their 25th wedding anniversary. He is so old! On New Comic Book Day this week. He's the oldest dude in the world. Do you think that she let him go to the comic book store? Well, if she's a good wife, I would hope so. I mean, you know, right? Word to you, Saxes, you crazy kids. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might have to shack up with some rich woman who's going to take him right out of the business, sugar mama style, if you don't. This that doesn't sound too bad, actually. is the two-headed nerd signing off. How can I get, how can I get in on that deal? Well, you know, just got to troll the right spots, I guess. Oh. <laughs>